the people in our community uh, and the ways that are coming up, Lord. I pray that you would just build a church of worshipers, Lord. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would open our ears, Lord, that you would uh, break our hard hearts and that we would just receive this the way that it's meant to be received. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, three to seven can go. Everybody else open your Bible to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven. Hey, what's up, Kami? Thank you for putting me out of my comfort zone this morning. It's good. Now let me return that. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7. I just want to be honest with you. I'm, I am so stinking excited this morning. This is the first time in the last two Sundays that, that I can say I've been so excited to be here and to preach. I've gone through a long valley, it seems, of seeking the Lord and and God's sure enough working to bring me out of it. It's not conditions in my life or it's just in my walk and ministry with the Lord. And I'm excited. I might preach long this morning, so if you need to go, you can. Um, but uh, I want to I start off. I can't even find it. I don't even remember where it's at. Yes, I do. It's in, you can stay where you're at. But I want to read you something in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, <clears throat> if I can find where it's at. All right, here we are. This is, this is our purpose as a church, okay? Paul's talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. He says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, and the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You've been enlisted as a soldier if you are a born-again believer, and uh, one of the main duties of the church is to make disciples. Jesus made it really clear that we're here to make disciples and to commit what we've learned to uh, faithful people who will teach that to other people. That's my whole purpose in, in what I'm preaching and teaching. And <clears throat> Honestly, this morning, probably, I don't know for how long, but... But I, I, I'm not really, I guess, wanting to uh, to preach at you. I want to reason with you, and I want to cause you to think, and I want to challenge you in your life. And I'm not up here by any means in a judgmental seat or saying that I do everything that I challenge you. I'm challenging myself, and I guess that's why I'm excited. But, uh, you know, last week I finished up, and I do encourage you to take notes uh, and that kind of stuff because this is Discipleship 101. Uh, last week I ended up my message, I believe if you weren't here last week, please listen to it because we're going back to a foundation of biblical salvation. What's on my heart right now is the restoration of biblical Christianity in this country. We're going to start with our church. Um, yes. Need my keys. Keys to the kingdom. All right. Anyhow, um, let me read down my brain where I was. What was I saying? Oh yeah, last week. Please listen to that message because we summed up biblically 
who is it that needs to be saved? And we also uh, confirm with the scripture that all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, all need Jesus as their Savior. Jesus is the only Savior. And uh, so if you fit into all, he also says that he'll save all, whoever so uh, comes to him in that. It's not a select group, but it's invited to everyone who has the opportunity to come to Jesus. Uh, let me say this too uh, before I get into this. week seems like week after week I... I talk to people. You know, I'll stand up here and I'll preach and I'll go through my messages and and teach and that kind of stuff. But for some reason, I I can talk to people one-on-one, whether it's after church or in in their home setting or whatever, and I can say almost the same things and they act like it's the first time they've heard it. And and then another thing that I notice is that there's a lot of of people, I believe, sitting in this crowd. And maybe one Sunday morning or every Sunday morning, it doesn't bother me, for people to have questions about their faith. If you're here, let me say this, if you're here and you've never doubted the existence of God, you're not normal. In our culture, you say, have you? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I've, 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 at times in my life, I've doubted the existence of God. At times in my life, i wondered, is God's word true and we can stand up? Because here's where I'm at. If I'm going to build my life and sacrifice my life and my family and, and look to eternity over this. I don't need to just wonder. I want to know. And there's a lot of people you're afraid to admit, you know, I've, I've questioned this and I've doubted this. Then, then here's where I'm at. God's word is true. And I offered it to somebody this week and I'll offer to you. I will. And I don't have this. I will write a $50,000 check, ask you to hold it for just a minute when I do. If you can show me one thing in this Bible that's not true. You prove to me. I challenge every youth in here. And I'm not just talking. I will sell whatever I have to. I will write you a $50,000 check. You can cash, do whatever you want to. If you can take the Bible and go, this is not true and this is wrong. Because when you prove it, beyond a shadow of a doubt, not your opinion. When you prove it, I'll resign as a pastor and I'll live as an atheist the rest of my life. You will not cash that check. And so I just want to say that I offer that not as I'm Mr. Bible, but I know men who are. And I can take and get and show you that the Bible is true. What you're hearing from... You know, a lot of the stuff in school and colleges and on TV and on social media and all that stuff, it's a bunch of junk. You know, they say, Christians don't even know how to think. I'm thinking, so you're telling me you come up with this whole you came from a monkey yourself and nobody taught you? You're being filled with a bunch of lies from the devil is what you're doing and God's word is true and it will stand whatever test you want to put it to. So if you have questions or you doubt anything, please at least give me the opportunity. You don't have to say it out loud. This thing is driving me crazy. You don't have to say it out loud. Put yourself in an embarrassing situation. I want to know who you are. So you know, Randall, my name is so-and-so, and I, this is my question I'm struggling with. Because here's the thing. I've probably struggled with it too. And it, here's the difference. I worked my way through it. And I build my faith not on what a pastor says, not on what I hear from somebody else. I build my faith on what I myself have sought out. Because if it's real, I need to know it. And if it ain't, I need to quit it. So on that, look in uh, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to do things a little different this morning. If you'll stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word. You know, we'll stand when a judge walks in the courtroom, and, and we'll stand at the national anthem. There's something that deserves far more honor. I love our flag, but this deserves far more honor than the flag. Looking in Matthew chapter 7, uh, in verse... 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there be many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. 
Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly there are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from the thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many of you to me. Many of you will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness or you who work iniquity. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I love you so much. And I thank you for this group of people that you uh, just allow us to come together today and, and set aside this time to fellowship, to worship you, God. Just I pray that we can leave here today offering uh, the sacrifice of praise to give our very best to you. You deserve that, Lord. Thank you for going to the cross to die for our sins. I thank you, Lord, that you rose from the grave to defeat our greatest enemy, to offer us life by your grace and your mercy. Uh, God, you love us so much. I pray we would just return that love to you, God. Raise up a people who's willing to to sacrifice everything, God, to, to serve you out of love. God, I just pray you'd rebuke the devil. Obviously, he doesn't want this to go out today, and I just pray that you'd be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Is this battery going out or what? It doesn't say it is. It says it's good. Huh? Yeah, I'll, I'll use a mic if I can, or a little random fix it. Um, all right. We started on, here's where I'm at. I want to return not that we've got away from it, but there's a lot, a lot of people who have made Christianity and something that it's not. I want to come back to the Scripture. I want to challenge you with the Scripture. I want you to look at it and... Um, okay, it's probably so. All right. Let's get all this technical difficulty worked out. Um, but, but I want you to look at the Scripture because some of the things I'm going to say this morning is probably going to go against what some of you think in your mind. And here's the thing, what you think in your mind has to change if it doesn't align with the scripture. Right. <clears throat> and so, here's what I believe. I believe we have, in a lot of ways, reduced Christianity to a crutch, to where Jesus is the one who comes along when you have difficult times and hard troubles and or uh, that kind of stuff. And he does. He's a very present help in a time of need. But also, there's a whole lot more to it than this, because here's what the problem is. People have troubles, they look at Christianity as a crutch, and the only problem is, once you get past your troubles, you drop the crutch and you start walking in your own life again. That's not what Christianity is. And we've made salvation something that we simply say, and that's not we see here clearly. I want to challenge you this morning, not cause you doubt in your own salvation, but I want to prepare you to present the gospel in the way that the scripture presents the gospel, not... You know, philosophy, some feeling, some emotion, something that you've heard from a lot of the churches. A lot of the churches does not present the gospel in the scriptural manner. Okay, so looking in <clears throat> Matthew chapter seven, he's talking about the entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Everybody here wants to be one hundred and fifty percent sure that you have entered into the kingdom of heaven. And so he starts off in verse thirteen. Jesus is talking here, I find it interesting that he goes over this principle time and time again 
to give us a clear understanding of what salvation is. And he says, enter by the narrow gate. Okay, it's not, not a, not a great huge thing, but it's a narrow gate. And then notice what he says, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go by it. And notice how he describes salvation here. Narrow is the gate and difficult. King James would say straight is the way. The word difficult is the way that leads to life and there are few. That concerns me. Few who find it. And so if we look at the scripture and we test ourselves and we look at other people because you're not judging other people, but you're looking at other people. And sometimes when their lives don't add up to the scripture, you should be concerned that it's possible maybe they're not saved. Okay. Because here's the thing, he says, the entrance, notice he says, uh, not just the entrance, we focus a lot, uh, and we should, on the entrance, but we don't talk about the way. And he's not talking about working your way to heaven, making sure you maintain your salvation, I believe absolutely 100% in the eternal security of the believer. Once you enter in, you don't enter back out, okay? Because you're sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. It says that in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and multiple other places through the scripture. But, But when you look at this... Here's the thing, the entrance and the way go hand in hand. It's just like one time when Jeremy was little, uh, we, we were at Six Flags, and I hate Six Flags, I hate the rides, I hate the feeling and all that stuff, okay, call me whatever, but I hate it. But he just had to ride the Texas Giant, he thought. And all day, every time we go by, Dad, I want to, I want to ride the Texas Giant, I want to ride the Texas I'm like, man, you don't want, I was trying to convince, you know, I don't think anybody 12, you really don't want to ride it, son, it's miserable. It's, you know, oh, Dad, I want to ride it. Well, he, he kind of come to the place where he's like huffed up about it because I wouldn't ride. I guess God ordained it, but we was up there, most of y'all know Dwayne and Mandy Walker, and uh, we were on another ride, and I look up, and there's Dwayne Walker. I said, man, what are you doing? Oh, he just come up here, and he looked at Jeremy and said, what you, what y'all huffed about? I want to ride the Texas Giant, and my dad won't ride it with me. And Dwayne said, I'll ride it with you. I said, no, no, you won't. I'll ride it, you know. <laughs> I got a man up thinking, no way I'm letting another man do that with my kids, you know. So I'll ride it. So here we go. After we get off the log ride, you know, the log ride was miserable for me. But, but after we get off, we head to the Texas Giant. And we got on. The entrance was narrow. <laughs> we got on that thing. And, and we locked it down. And all of a sudden, when we were locked in, there's no backing out. There's no return. We started the difficult way. And I, I, you, if you ever rode, if you don't like those things, that, that chuk, 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 going up the hill. And I looked over at him and he said, Dad, I don't want to ride this. I said, it's a little late now. And, uh, but, but, and that's, here's the thing. When, when you, Jesus is trying to say, hey, this ain't, uh, he never painted this wonderful, pleasant, peaceful, everything in the world is going to be just wonderful once you're a Christian. He said, it's difficult. It's a difficult way. Your relationship to Jesus is absolutely incredible, life-changing, full of peace, joy unspeakable. The Bible says full of glory. It's, it is the greatest. You don't have life without a relationship with Jesus. But understand this. The way as you walk in this world becomes very difficult. He, the Bible describes it in so many ways. Jesus even warned people. This is what it refers to in... Um, Psalm 23 where it said, you lead me down paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And then right after that it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's, that is hell. Understand this, when you trust in Christ your Savior, okay, you just got the most amazing thing in your life. But you also got a very real enemy because all of hell is against you. 
and has one purpose is to destroy you and keep you from accomplishing the purpose and mission God has got for you on this earth. And if you don't realize that, you're going to lose the battle. But it's the path of righteousness. Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him take up his cross. He didn't say, I'm going to fix everything in life, make it all good. You're not going to have any more trials, burdens. He said, there's a cross. A cross is an instrument of death. It's dying to yourself and living for other people. Living for people that don't even care about you. That's what Christianity is. It's I have the heart because I recognize how much Jesus loved me. And at the point that I humbled myself to receive his grace and salvation that he, he shouldn't have offered me. That God said he pours out his love in our heart by the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 5. And develops within me a love for the same people that he died for. That's carrying my cross. He didn't say take up your cushioned chairs and listen to me. He said I've got a cross for you to bear. It's a very difficult way. How is that? Because the path of following Jesus. I'm not talking about American church. Christianity as as this culture has developed it. I'm talking about biblical Christianity. It's a path in which you will be called to give of yourself. In areas that you don't necessarily want to give beyond measure to go where you would not normally go. Jesus will put you way past the edge. Because he's going to carry you where you would not. Isn't that what he told Peter? He said, you know, when you're young, you walk where you would. But when you're old, I will gird you up and carry you where you would not go. And you think about in your life as a believer to live for what you cannot see. God calls on us, every one of us, not just people in ministry, every one of us to go, I want you to sacrifice your life. Your goals, your dreams, your personal desires. I want you to walk away from them and I want you to follow me to something you can't even see. He's not talking about a blind faith because we build our faith on facts. But he is calling us to go. How many of you have seen heaven? Nobody here. How many of you are living for it? Man, I am. I'm living for Jesus. I love him. Never seen him physically with my eyes, but, but I see him. And I've seen him in my life and I see him in you. That's the whole purpose of the church. Christianity, as the Bible teaches, calls for us to give up what we often love and cherish. Jesus actually said over in the book of Luke, he said, unless you hate, and I'm not quoting, but basically unless you hate your your wife or your husband, your mother or father, your children, you can't follow me. You can't be my disciple. And say, hey, what does he mean by that? It means that I love him so much that compared to the way that I love my wife, it looks like hate. He's basically saying, I have to be number one. And here's the cool thing is, once he's number one, it changes everything. Your relationship to your wife, your husband, your kids. It makes it incredible. But Jesus never painted this picture of a begging Savior where, well, if, you know, we're not asking you to do change or to repent or any of that. All we're asking you to do is if you'll just, you know, step out of your comfort zone, out of the aisle, come down here. We'll only hold you for a minute. You won't be embarrassed too long. And we'll, we'll say this prayer and you, and then you're in the kingdom of heaven. That's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Jesus said, I don't know. I don't know where y'all come up with that stuff, but it's not in the scripture. And, and, and I want you to, I want you to look at this because I want to challenge you. When, when you look at this difficult way, and it's all for the one who leads us that we love more than all. Is that describe the faith that you possess this morning? You look at your life since you say, I follow Jesus. I, since the time that I've trusted in Jesus. Though, for instance, let me clarify this. My marriage is far greater, far greater. That the raising of my kids are wonderful. My spirit, my heart is full of joy and hope and peace and gladness and faith. Yes, I have all that. But as far as in the world, 
Is your way difficult? Because for a lot of Christians nowadays, or people who say they're Christian, go, nothing changed. Since I made a profession of faith, nothing changed. I just go right on. There's, there's no difference between me and the world, and it's not difficult. You know, I don't, I don't have no troubles. Then, then you're not following Jesus. I'm just being honest with you. Otherwise, Jesus is really confused about what he's teaching us here. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to, to cause you guilt. So when I use this illustration, please don't, please don't, oh, he's just trying to stomp me. And make, I'm not trying to stomp you and make you feel bad. I'm trying to, to turn you to truth, okay? You know, last Sunday I said, when you look around the crowd, man, I wish I had 10 hours a week. When you look around the crowd, who is sitting here that you have led to Jesus, that, that you were an instrument? You're just a tool. It's not about you or not about me, but that you were obedient to, to, to the, what, the command that Christ our King has given us, that you shared the gospel, that you, that you reached out and gave Jesus somebody and they trust in Jesus, and now they're here as your disciple walking in your pathway because you're leading them in the way of righteousness. Who here, I don't want you to raise your hand, who here is like that? If you've been here six months, maybe a year. And, 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 and we would have to say, I don't know who's here. I, I'm going to ask to raise a hand. Is there anybody here in the last year that you've been saved in the last year that's sitting here in the church? Anybody on this? Anybody? Right, two people right here, three, four. All right, four people. Now, we've probably got, I don't know, 150 people here this morning. I don't keep count. So out of 150 people, we've had four in a year. You know what that means? 146 of us is missing the boat. Shouldn't we at least have one in a year, 365 days? Book of Acts said, and God added to the church daily, not weekly, yearly, monthly. I'm just challenging us, me too, to go, all right, God didn't decide not to save people. There's something, something ain't right. And, and I, I believe we've bought into what our culture has developed the church to be to go, isn't that the pastor's job? Some of you just thought, well, you need to get up about your business. It's not my business. I love it. But it's all of our opportunity. It's not a job. It's an opportunity for us to glorify Jesus. And I mean, I was talking to somebody yesterday. I was talking about Tracy. I said, here's what's crazy. We'll talk about what we love. Tracy Durham, is, if you're around him long, he's going to talk to you about deer hunting. So am I. You know why? We love it. I don't have to stand up here and go, Tracy, you need, you need to tell people about bow hunting. You need to talk to people about the deer that you kill. If he kills a 180-inch deer, even you ladies are going to know it. You know what I'm saying? You know why? He's so excited. And I'm thinking in the same sense as everybody here, shouldn't we be excited about Jesus? man? Should we? You've been given, granted, eternal life, forgiveness of your sins, set free, as we just sing the song, from an from a eternity of hell fire. Do you realize that? We've lost the, the doctrine of hell. And what you've been delivered from, and if you truly believe that other people are going there, why aren't we opening our mouth and speaking it? And here's what I come up with. Because we, we have turned this into a house of excuses instead of a house of sacrifice and praise. And we've come up with every excuse. And there's pastors who've made excuses for us. And, and, you know, I just, I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of, you know, so I might not have the right answer. And I'm afraid of this. And, and I'm worried about what people think. And it's, and it all boils around us. Die to yourself. It's a cross. Die to yourself. Crucify yourself. You, you don't have an image. Without Christ, you're a nobody. And so am I. And, and here's the thing that I, that I wrestled with this week that, that I still, I'm still wrestling with. When you look back on what Christianity was, in the early church and in the early days, read your history. Read Fox's Book of Mortars. Get familiar with it, especially young people. You, hadn't, you, hadn't, you think that this is some fairy tale. Read your history. And you'll see that people, there were families in those days 
who because of their faith in Jesus, because they loved and lived for Jesus, that they lost their houses, they lost their lands, they, they were uh, lost their families, and they would march a family like that into the Colosseum, the Roman Colosseum, if you've ever watched Gladiator. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't people in there like him fighting, it was Christians. People who love Jesus and because they refused to renounce him, they would march those people in there, most of the time strip them of their clothes, entire families, while the crowd was cheering and roaring for it. And they would turn wild dogs loose and animals and rip those people to shreds. And we are going to stand in the day of judgment with those people? And we're going to give the excuse of, I lived in America. You expect me to give up something? How is God going to judge justly? I don't even know how He's going to judge between me. I'm not talking about you, just me. How am I going to stand there by somebody who sung while wild dogs ripped them apart? Where do I stand in that kind of, how am I going to try to reason with God and go, you know, Lord, I was just, I was embarrassed. And I, I was afraid they'd ask me a question I didn't know. And God, you know, I had to make a living. And I, and I had to have a 3,000 square foot house, Lord. I mean, my car was two years old. I had to work and get more and more and more and more. And that preacher didn't tell me enough. And I sat in church 40 years trying to get up the gump to share you with somebody. I'm thinking, it scares me. I'm going to be honest with you, that kind of thought in my mind scares me. I don't know how God's going to judge. But I don't want to stand there with all those people and go, man, you are awesome and you gave everything for Jesus and you sacrificed and you did exactly what the scripture said. But we in the American church, we sit in here on our blessed assurance on padded cushions and we wouldn't even sing. I'm like, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. And I don't want to leave the church. I want the church to be biblical. And I want to be amongst a group of people who say, I love the Lord enough to put aside my image and my fears and my worries. What do you do in the scripture? Another question. What do you do in the scripture where in the book of Revelation, I don't remember it's in one of the last chapters there, and it talks about those who, who do not enter and those who are cast in the lake of fire. And it starts off with the very first one is the fearful. The fearful, the abominable. All liars. All that. It goes through the whole crowd thinking fearful, unbelieving, fearful, unbelieving. That's the first two he lists. The fearful and the unbelieving, they all have their part in the lake of fire. And we can start making excuses. Well, that's talking about blah, 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 blah. And let's let's keep going in the scripture because give me a, give me if you give me about ten more minutes I, I just want this is so important. Notice what he, I'm going to kind of go quickly through this. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Jesus saying there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of ministers, preachers, college educated, seminary pastors who look and and appear as great people, but don't believe everything they say because they're a pastor. You check me with the scripture, and if I go against it, kick me out of here. And it, and it goes on down, it says, in sheep's clothing, who inwardly are ravenous wolves, you will know them by their fruit. You ought to be able to look and go, I see Jesus, I don't see Jesus. I see the scripture in his life, I don't see the scripture. If you don't see Jesus and you don't see the scripture, get rid of him. Quit listening to him. Quit making excuses. Well, everybody has their ideas and everybody has their thoughts and everybody has their own, uh, what do you, interpretation and blah, blah, blah. And, and he says Jesus' name and he says he loves Jesus. Well, I would too if I was the devil and wanted to deceive a thousand people. And so, I, w- I want to get down to uh, verse 21. That's where I want to get and dig in and finish up. Notice what it says here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. 
notice this is people with, I think, good intentions. And they are emphatic about, Lord, Lord, not everybody. It, how many of you have heard Baptist preachers go, well, you know, your ABCs. Then all that salvation is is your CBAs. Confess, believe, and ask. All you got to do, walk up here, say the prayer, say the words. Lord, you believe Jesus is the Lord? I know of one pastor here in town. And somebody came forward and he said, do you believe that Jesus is the Lord? Confess Jesus is the Lord. I believe Jesus is the Lord. Then you're saved. What? What? I just want... You know, and, and here's the thing. Our eternity depends upon what we believe. And here's the thing. Vain words, popular teaching, and what seems is not what we need to believe. The Bible said there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end of that way is death. There are people in churches, in our community, pastors who are absolutely 100% false teachers or, or God's a liar. He's not talking about people. Oh, you're talking about the cults. No, he's talking about people hiding behind a Baptist church name or this church name or that church name who are ravenous wolves set out to deceive people because they themselves are deceived. But he says not everybody. You know, we live in the day of easy believism where we're taught a shallow faith and vain words save us. And this right here says faith is not constituted by simple words. Just because you say something doesn't mean that you have faith. How many of you have talked to somebody and go, you know, are you a Christian? I believe in God. Oh, then you must be a Christian. What? The devil believes and trembles. That's what the scripture says. And not everybody who cries, Lord, Lord, enters into the kingdom of heaven. Who does then? He clarifies this and says, but he who does the will, not he who believes, he who hears, but he who what? Does. Not preaching work, salvation. But he who does. I think too long pastors have gone to the far opposite end of the scale because they want to get away from a works-based pa- uh, salvation where they go, oh no, if you, if you do anything for Jesus, you're trying to work your way. I'm like, what? The Bible clearly teaches that people who are born again do the will of God. Not a, not a we ought to, we should, don't. We should, shouldn't we? But we don't. What? Says he who does the will of God. If you don't do the will of God, your heart hasn't been changed. Your heart hasn't been changed. Quit making excuses for you and for other people. Well, it's possibly they're backslidden for 135 years. Okay, show me that in the scripture and I'll go with it. But you're not going to find it because I've already looked. And, and, and we've taken and we've abused, you know, what salvation is. How many times have you heard it? Heard? I'm not saying I don't even have nobody in mind, but I've heard it in my life and from my pastor. Well, the problem is that you, Jesus is your Savior but He's not your Lord. He's not the Lord of your life. And we divide the two. We separate it. You know, that would be like, my, I don't know about your house, maybe like one of my kids going, well, I want to live in your house, but you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm thinking, oh, you got a lot to learn in my house. And, and, and what we want is, we want a democratic heaven. We don't want a master. That's what the word Lord means. We don't want, you know, somebody who's going to tell me what. I don't want God in control of my life. I will not bow to that. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to fight against the one I call Lord. And I want to go to heaven. Well, that's convenient. And that's basically what a majority of what you hear in American Christianity. He says, notice what he says here. I want to clarify this. I hate to get you going, but I'm going to do this. He says, he who does, you answer it yourself. Study this yourself. He who does the will of my Father. Many of you will, and he goes back to words. Many of you will say to me in that day, the day of judgment, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied or preached 
in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name. You know what I found out about all them? You can do all that in your own authority. It doesn't require humility. It doesn't require servitude. It doesn't require obedience. It doesn't require you sacrificing. I can stand up here and preach all day long and never be surrendered to the Lord. You can do a lot of things. You can go, and that's why we, we just do whatever you want to do. Mm, God calls on me. We, well, I ain't into the whole cross bearing. I'm not into the telling people about Jesus and witnessing the gospel. I'm not into digging into God's word so I know his will. I just want to come and hear you help me with my problems. My life be a lot better and me call myself a Christian. Most people sitting in church today don't even know what the will of God is. And I'm thinking, how in the world are we walking in the will of God? If he's Lord, let's think about this. If you get a job somewhere, you probably need to figure out what they expect of you. Instead of, like a lot of people, I just want a job so I can get a paycheck. I don't care what they do. If he's Lord, Jesus even said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? That's, that's strange. That's weird. That, that's a contradicting statement. Lord means he's in control. Lord means I'm surrendered. First, uh, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 19, look at it for yourself, jot it down, it says, if you will confess with your mouth, and that's where the Baptist church cut it off. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. Lord and Savior. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, talking about God the Father said, and He made Him to be both Lord and Christ, or Savior. But America's like, I don't want a Lord, I just want a Savior. And we've, we've got to where we want, in good intention, I think, people to be saved so bad, we don't even mention repentance, lordship, humbling ourselves, change, none of that stuff. We've taken all of that stuff out of our mind and out of the message. What we've done is we've marked out spiritually the Bible and we went, all you have to do is say the sinner's prayer. And we wonder why. That the church is half empty and half of it's backslidden. I'm gonna say, scary thought. This is just, this is just my personal opinion. Scratch it off. I, I'm at a place I used to say 50. I'm gonna say 80%. According to what I've experienced and see, and I'm not trying to be judgmental. 80% of people who sit in the church every Sunday are gonna die and go to hell. In the church. Church members just baptized. Not talking about you anymore. But you understand what I'm saying? Because that's, that's, the, that's the popular thing. What do you got to do to be saved? Well, you know, I'm having a really bad time in my life where I come to church and, you know, my wife left me. And so I, I just looking for answers and I, I was so emotional and, and I cried and I went up front and the pastor told me, hey, you need to say the sinner's prayer and Jesus will fix everything. So I did. And, and you know what? Uh, things got better and, and, you know, I don't go to church. Now I don't think you got to go to church all the time. I don't read the Bible. I don't. I don't talk about Jesus. I don't live a holy life. I don't, and we start, we start making excuses going, this is what the Bible says about a Christian. I don't do that. This is what the Bible says a Christian do. I don't do that. This is what the Bible says a Christian will be like. I don't do that, but I'm a Christian. Really? I mean, really? Why? I hope you're, I hope I'm not talking to anybody in this crowd. But, but I, I do. I want to scare the fire out of you this morning. If you're one of those who, you make an excuse for everything, well, I can't say that I, that I'm ready to give up something for Jesus. I can't say, you know, that I go out and tell everybody about Jesus. I can't say that I read the Bible. I can't say that I spend time in prayer. I can't say that I love my enemies. I can't say that I forgive people who hate me. I can't say that. I can't say that, but I can say this. I know. I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that I'm going to heaven. No, you don't. No, you don't. 
Not according to that. So let me finish, okay? You just take this home and study it for yourself because here's what I know. The Bible, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says when a person comes to the knowledge of the gospel, humbles themselves to surrender, what you're doing is you're moving out from God's moving you out from being a prisoner of Satan. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, a child of disobedience into an, uh, an incredible authority under the authority of God and His Word, you humble yourself to go, I need you, Lord. Remember what Paul said on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 when God struck him down, he fell off his horse and he said, Lord, who are you? I am Jesus that you persecute. He understood. That culture understands what our culture don't get. And we just want to go to heaven. Jesus said, I'm, I'm Lord. I'm the doorway to heaven. It's narrow. He's the gate. That's why it's narrow. You don't go around and climb over and go, I don't want to listen to you. I'm going to do my thing. I just want to go where you are. Mm-mm. I just want to miss hell. In the 80s, that's all it was about. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. It wasn't about loving Jesus. It wasn't about him being the Lord of your life. It was just, I don't want to go to hell. Tell me what I need to say. Well, you confess Jesus. So I confess Him. I confess Him. And you wonder why when you look at your own heart, you know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will enter into you, seal you into the day of redemption, change your heart. Ezekiel chapter, I think it's 26 or 30, it's 36, where He said, and I will put my Spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and my commands. Hmm. How often do we see that in the American church? How often do we see people who are digging into God's Word and go, I want to know God's will. I mean, he just preached the whole Sermon on the Mount showing us part of his will. How many of you here have honestly dug in and go, I want to know what my Lord wants of me. I'm willing to give up anything for the Lord because he's Lord. Remember what Jesus said the last, the last thing he spoke to his disciples? He said, all authority, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, all authority is given to me. He was saying, I am Lord. Now what? Go. Go ye. Therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Is that what you're doing? Again, I'm not trying to cause you doubt. But I do want you to search yourself and go, do I have American faith or do I have biblical faith? Am I preaching the American gospel or am I presenting the gospel that Jesus presents in the Scripture? Because there should be a heart of obedience. I'm finishing right here. Sorry I kept you so long. Not really, but it seemed like the right thing to say at the time. Right here. Looking at the scripture. I don't got to say a whole lot on this. Therefore, notice he, he clarifies it real clear. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and what? Does them. There's that word again. Why did he say in James? You should be doers of the word, not hearers only. Do you understand that lost people can hear the word their whole life? Lost people can hear it just like saved people can. They can hear it, listen to it, know it, talk about it, and never bow to the authority of it. Hear it and does it, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, going to have troubles. Winds blew, very difficult, beat on the house, and it did not fall. Why? Because it had the right foundation. It was found on the rock, which is obedience to the word and the will of God. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. I'm going to say, that's a lot of people sitting in church every Sunday. They hear it, 
they don't do it. They hear it, they don't do it. They hear it, they don't do it. Their mama, their grandma, their pastor, their Sunday school teacher, and they themselves make all kind of excuses. But I'm just telling you what he says. They hear it, they do not do them, will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. And the rain descended. Let me turn my page. And the floods came, still difficult, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was the fall. I think that he's talking about the day of judgment. That's the whole context of the scripture in that day. How many people who build their house, so it's a, it's a pretty looking house. They're, they're building their eternal house, and, and they're like, I went to church, and I, I was baptized, and I took the Lord's Supper and I did, you know, I listened. I knew that Bible. You know, and on that day, the Lord's going to be like, you fool. You didn't, you, I don't know what you had, but you didn't have my word. You didn't have a heart that was changed to desire my will and obey me. You call me Lord, Lord. And the whole thing, notice what he says. He says, and I will say unto them, I never knew you. No relationship to him. He's not your Lord and your Savior. He just, some of you maybe believe in your mind or something and you go to church for an hour a week to get the guilt off of you because you're supposed to. I never knew you. What happens to those people? What, you know, Pastor, what happens if, if I'm one of those people? Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. You didn't live by the law. You didn't live by God's word. It wasn't in your heart. It wasn't in your mind. You, wasn't, you had no desire for it. You just wanted to hear a message and get out of here from a long-winded pastor. Depart from me. You worker of lawlessness, I never knew you. That's going to be devastating. The day of judgment is going to be a horrific day for a lot of people who say, Lord, Lord, and live like the devil. Don't be one of those people. Don't be one of those people. If you're here this morning and God's speaking to you going, you're one of those people. You look at your life go, I'm... Nothing, it's nothing like the Bible says. I got what, you know, my mom told me I needed, but I don't have what he just talked about. Please, you don't have to walk up here. I, I'm not trying to put on a show. I don't need the church to go, good job, preacher. You did your job and somebody got saved. I, I don't need that. Well, I, I would beg you with all of my heart that right where you are right now, that you get honest and humble yourself before Jesus to go, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to be surrendered because I believe that you're the only way. You're the narrow gate. And I want to give you my life. I'm not asking you to come into my heart and be my buddy. I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life and take and do with me what you will because I believe your word. I believe that you're good. I believe your ways are right. God, save my wretched soul. And God will save you right where you sit. You don't have to come up here, okay? And here's the thing. When God saves you, your mouth's going to start speaking it. You can't stop it. You can't shut up about him. If you know it. So will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Maybe you've got somebody in your life you need to pray for. There's a lot of people that say, I'm a follower or I'm a, I'm a born again believer and that kind of stuff. And you look at their life and go, man, that worries me. And you're not being judgmental. You go, Lord, I need to pray for this person to clarify to them if they are or if they're not. Man, the church ought to be begging God for people to be saved. If you really believe in hell, how can you not be concerned about lost people? Lord, we just bow before you this morning, and uh, I'll be the first one to confess. God, I'm so prideful and arrogant and, and bowing to you. Never easy in my flesh. Lord, 
I want you to be the Lord of every area of my life. To trust you, knowing, God, that you are you are so good, Lord. I know your ways are good. Even even though so many times I, I don't walk in, I thank you that you correct us, you chasten us. You love us enough not to let us stay backslidden for years. And, God, you, you, you carry us. And, though the times are difficult. Lord, it's like Paul said, the things in this life are not even worthy to be mentioned when compared to who you are and what you do for us and how much you love us, God. I pray. God, for uh, the restoration of a scriptural church and a scriptural salvation. And, Lord, I don't care what any other churches think or say. And we're not here to please people. But, God, that you would give us a hunger and a longing in our heart to be pleasing to you. Lord, whatever you call us to do, we'd be a people who are jumping to serve you, to show love to other people, to sacrifice whatever you ask us to, knowing we could never give to you more than you give to us god i pray for someone here today that's lost right now where they stand god they'd humble their heart before you and and just surrender to you lord and trust you in faith i pray these things in jesus name amen Sorrow and dead in my sin, lost without hope, no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested, my life began. Ash was redeemed, only beauty Open heart was given in me. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to death. When death was arrested, my life Know your grace, so free, it washes over.
This morning, um, let me say this: I, I realized that the last couple of weeks is difficult messages, and it'd be a whole lot easier for me to give you three points in a poem and get you out of here. But I love you enough to challenge you, right. and all I ask for you is don't get all mad, you know, and say you ain't coming back. You'd have to ask yourself why, okay? But just as the Lord came and wrestled with Jacob, Jacob held on for the blessing. There is something far, far greater more 